Hi, I am Dr. Wamboi Wamboro, and welcome to the Drug Chat. I think that the human body is intricately created, making us one of the most amazing living things on earth. In this podcast, we explore how the body works and then apply the drugs. My hope is that with this knowledge, we become better healthcare providers, whatever field of medicine you may be in, better caregivers to our patients or to ourselves. We do take medicine from time to time, don't we? All right, let's break it down. Every medication we take has an effect on our bodies. The science that studies how these drugs work is pharmacology, and it has two branches. The first one, pharmacokinetics. Pharmaco, the drug, kinetics, motion, how it moves through the body. Then there's pharmacodynamics. Pharmaco, the drug, dynamics, the power. How does the drug exert its power or its effects on our body? How potent, it, how potent is it? All right, let's start with pharmacokinetics. So for the drug to be able to work, it has to first enter your body. So either you swallowed a pill or it was injected or you know, swallowed a liquid, whichever way it got in. So once it enters, absorption needs to occur. Absorption is basically permitting entry of the drug into your bloodstream. And the fancy, another fancy word for bloodstream is plasma. Let's break that down a little bit. Your blood has two parts. The liquid part is called the plasma and the non-liquid part is your cells. So absorption is allowing the drug into the liquid part, your plasma. Okay. As you can imagine, how it enters, how the drug enters affects how it is absorbed. Like we said, if you give an IV, 100% of it is straight in the plasma, right? As opposed to when you take it by mouth, it travels a long way before it gets to your plasma. And so this leads us to another fancy word, bioavailability. And bioavailability refers to what fraction of that drug given actually reached the systemic circulation, actually reached the plasma. Like uh, for the IV, 100% of it. But if you take it or if the drug is taken, or, taken orally, it may be 50%, 20%, whatever it may be. What fraction of it actually reached the plasma? Okay, so now it's absorbed. We now need to have it distributed. In a nutshell, distribution is the process of the drug moving from the bloodstream to the body tissues and organs. To be able to know how the drug is distributed, a factor that we use is the volume of distribution. It is theoretical and it's calculated. So the volume of, distri of distribution is calculated by relating two numbers. One, the total amount of drug in the body versus the drug concentration measured in the plasma. So the calculation for volume of distribution is amount of drug in the body, and you divide that by the plasma concentration of the drug. Why is volume of distribution important? Why do we want to know how much of it was distributed? So if the volume of distribution is high, 
This indicates that the drug has a high propensity to leave your plasma and enter your extravascular compartments, enter your tissues and organs. So a high volume of distribution, so a lot of it gets distributed. And so it enters, it goes farther than just your plasma, it goes to your tissues and your organs. A good example of this is digoxin. Digoxin is considered, considered to have a high volume of distribution. Why? Approximately six liters per kilogram in an adult is how it gets distributed. That is pretty high. Every six liters in your body uh, per kilogram, you know, you'll find digoxin. As opposed to a low volume of distribution. And what this shows is that the, law, the, the, the drug has, a lot of more of the drug stays in the plasma. So your low volume of distribution means less of it goes to your tissues. An example, clemeparide. It has a low VD. So it has, it's a 0.113 liters. Basically less than a liter of it uh, per kilogram in an adult is what's distributed. So you can see what the numbers are. Digoxin, six liters per kilogram, as opposed to glimepiride, 0.113 liters per kilogram in an adult. Clinically, the volume of distribution tells us how much drug one needs to give in order to reach the desired drug concentration in the plasma so that we can have some therapeutic effects. Okay, let's move on to metabolism. This is where the drug is biotransformed or changed with the goal to make drug excretion easier. The principal site for drug metabolism is in the liver. Other places do metabolize like the gut, the lung and so on, but the primary site is the liver. Let's stay in the liver for a minute. The drugs are being changed in one of two ways. The first one, also called phase one, uses enzymes called cytochrome P450. And the two most common ones are cytochrome 3A4 and cytochrome 2D6. They are the ones that you will see metabolize most of the drugs. The second way of metabolism, also called phase two in the liver, is conjugation reactions. This is whereby when uh, this drug, something is attached to them to make it water soluble, therefore easier to excrete. And the most common enzyme or the most common way that this happens is glucuronidation. Now, generally, when drugs are metabolized, most become inactive, therefore easier to excrete, right? But some become active and they are referred to as prodrugs. And an example of this is codeine. When codeine is metabolized, it becomes active as morphine. So that's where we say that codeine is a prodrug of morphine. And yet there are others that when they are metabolized, they are capable of producing toxic compounds. For example, paracetamol, also called acetaminophen, in certain conditions, about 5% of it uh, becomes toxic, and that's why there's toxic toxicity of uh, Tylenol and all that, right? Okay. So, in as far as the liver and metabolizing is concerned, another phrase that we need to be aware of is first pass metabolism, which is the metabolism of a drug before it reaches the plasma. Where did it pass first? And mostly you will see this, especially when we are talking about 
when we are talking about um, drugs that are taken orally. So why is it important to know FastPass? Knowledge of FastPass and metabolism is important in figuring out the doses and schedules to make sure that the patient gets enough drug for a therapeutic effect. But it also advises on dose adjustment. For example, if I was giving a drug IV and now the patient is able to take uh, by mouth, um, I need to know some of this information. Okay, let me explain you an example. Let's take morphine again. So morphine is available by mouth and it's also available as an injection. Additionally, morphine has a high first pass meta uh, metabolism when it is given orally. I'm sure you have seen that when you're starting out to give morphine, the doses for oral are higher than IV ones. Why? It's so that we can be able to achieve the same therapeutic goal even if we're giving at different uh, routes. So in the oral dosage is much larger and you'll see it started at 10 to 30 milligrams. As opposed to when it's given IV, it's given at 2.5 to about 10 milligrams when you're starting out. And the reason for it is that when morphine is given by, uh, by mouth, the first pass metabolism is higher. So a lot less drug gets to the plasma. So we need to give a lot more of the dose so that we can get the same amount get into their plasma for it to remove pain. So that's about it with metabolism. But the other thing to keep in mind is that obviously there are various factors that um, will affect the metabolism. I mean, one of the biggest one is when you hear people who are high metabolizers, you know, those ones who eat fries all day and they don't gain weight, definitely not in the, that category. But anyway, so besides genetic factors, there could be disorders that could be going on. For example, if your liver isn't working as it should be, yet it's a principal site for metabolism, you can see how this knowledge affects that, or maybe their drug interactions. So the drug is metabolized. We are now ready to excrete it. So most drugs are excreted by the kidneys as urine. That tells me that um, they are more water-soluble. Most drugs become metabolized to become water-soluble so they can go through the kidneys as urine. Others are excreted by the liver as into the bile. So there's also bile excretion. And you'll also see, I'm sure when you look at a drug insert where they say that um, excreted in the feces, how did that happen? Well, first, it was excreted by the liver into the bile, and then uh, the feces is the bile getting into the uh, intestinal tract and therefore being excreted as feces. So you can see with elimination, if you have issues again with your liver or your kidney, that can cause accumulation of the drug in toxic concentrations. And that's why you'll see we need to know when you're thinking of changing the drug, the drug dosages or if somebody's kidney is not working or liver is not working, this are some of the things that we look at. But the other ways to eliminate the drug from your body uh, can be through your lungs, your breast, the breast milk, sweat, saliva, and tears. Other things to keep in mind too. And that is pharmacokinetics. Absorption, entry into your bloodstream, distribution, 
from your bloodstream to other tissues and organs, metabolism, transforming it, biotransforming it so that it can be easier to excrete and then excretion. It gets out of your body. On to pharmacodynamics. So the drug is in my body and I'm also at the desired plasma concentration. How is this drug going to produce its effects in my body? I am sure it's either going to mimic something that already happens or it's going to prevent something uh, from happening. Then I will wonder about how long is this interaction going to take place? How strong is this interaction going to be? Because all this is going to determine how quickly the drug works. So there's also the yin and the yang of this. So the good part that it does what it was intended to do. So I took ibuprofen, it took away my pain. However, there is the bad parts and the bad part of what it was not, it was, it shouldn't have done. So those things that the drug does that are unintended, the response that is un, unintended, not, it was not in the playbook of this, is called an adverse drug reaction. So the medication was taken uh, correctly. It was taken at the desired amount. However, uh, an adverse drug reaction occurred, something that was not seen. We were not expecting this. And an example, a big example that we use with this is Steven Johnson's uh, uh, syndrome. It's a serious uh, disorder of the skin and the mucous membrane. And if, you're, if one gets this, it's a medical emergency and they should never ever take that drug again. As compared to a side effect, these are mostly foreseen. And the patient, uh, it's good to do due diligence and let them know that it's possible. It doesn't mean you'll get the nausea and vomiting, but it's possible. How, and these ones can resolve over, over time. Over time, these ones can go away. But it's important to make sure that me, your patient, you have made me aware of this. Or guess what? I am not going to be taking that drug no matter how good it's supposed to be for me. So I hope that with all these terms that we have looked into in as far as um, the pharmacokinetics, the pharmacodynamics, especially with the pharmacodynamics, remember the toxic effects, those side effects, those ADRs are important because more than likely it's a big reason why the patients will come back to you and say, I don't know whether this is working. So, uh, so that when we look at the other drugs, we will apply them. And when I say something like the bioavailability of this drug is such and such, you will be right in sync with me in what I'm talking about. All right. I am Dr. Wamboi Wamboro, and thanks for listening to The Drug Chat. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and remember to share with your friends. Until next time, stay inquisitive. Bye.